Father, I would like to begin today by giving you thanks. Your love endures forever and it never fails. Though there are many times that we have failed you, but we have not exceeded your grace and your mercy. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. And as your word goes forth today, we ask that your Holy Spirit will be at work, opening our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so that transformation can take place in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We've been in Genesis, and I'm gonna tell y'all, <laughs> <laughs> Genesis is a trip. <laughs> this by the boy. Oh my! I have learned so much going through Genesis, and um, the thing is, the chapter that I had, I you know, I, I was looking at it, and I was like, okay, what am I gonna do with this? I'm like, I see that. I said, okay, Lord, what am I, I said, I, what am I gonna do? So I, I kept reading, and then of course, you can't just read. You gotta study. You gotta look for other things, and I was reading the story and then going to other places for help and look at chapter chapter Genesis 34. Mm, But I said, okay, Lord, so how do you want me to do this? I said, because there's many lessons here, many lessons in this story. So as I was reading and kept my study up and kept because you know, I try to prepare way ahead, but you really can't. I, I try to look at stuff and try to put it together, but it's only when you sit and you're quiet and you're able to concentrate, you know. So I said, okay, God, I think I see what you're talking about. And on this chapter, we're going to talk about and we're going to see the danger in neglecting to seek God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, so today I'm coming from Genesis 34. We're going to be talking about the family of Jacob, which will include his only daughter, Dinah, and two of his sons, Levi and Simeon. This is a very tragic chapter, which has a number of lessons that we can learn from it. But what happened in the story could have been avoided. You will find that God is not mentioned in this chapter, but we know that he is present. Okay? Psalm 139, 7 and 8. Uh Uh-oh, I did it again, didn't I? Let me give y'all Let me give (laughs) y'all the scriptures. Okay. Not very many, though. Psalm 139, 7 and 8, page 727, in the voice. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, page 738. Mm-hmm. 3, 5 and 6. Ezekiel 25 and 17, page 997. Romans 12, 19, page 1388, and I didn't put this one in here, but I definitely want this. And it's Psalms 103, 10. Yes, 103, 10. And that's becoming a favorite of mine, and I'll let you know why. All right. Now, we're going to start off with Psalm 139, 7 and 8. Because it says, can I go anywhere apart from your spirit? Is there anywhere I can go to escape your watchful presence? If I go up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the realm of the dead, 
you are there. So God is everywhere. He's everywhere. Okay. Now, in the previous chapters, we see how God came to Jacob's rescue with his uncle Laban and his brother Esau. Remember that? After all that he did, God was still so merciful towards him. In this story, we are going to find out what happens when God is overlooked. Jacob, he didn't follow his brother Esau to Seir. Instead, he went to a place called Succoth, which means shelters. And there he built a house and some shelters for his cattle. He stayed there for quite some time, and then he moved, and he settled in the land of Shechem, which is in Canaan. Now, as we begin this chapter, we find that Jacob has a daughter named Dinah, and her mother is Leah. Okay? She's a young girl approximately between the ages of 13 and 16. And as most girls her age, she was inquisitive. She wanted to go out and see what was going on with the other ladies in the land. And she ended up going alone. So, in her travels, she encounters a young prince, and his name is Shechem, just like the land in Canaan. He's the son of King Hamer, the, the Hivite. Now, the prince sees Dinah, and without a thought, he takes her and he violates her. Then, to add insult to injury, he then tries to win over her affection by speaking words of love, as if that would make everything okay. He told his father, you have to get me that young girl. I want to marry her. So, of course, his father goes to Jacob. And at the time, Jacob has heard what happened to Dinah, but he doesn't say a word. He's waiting for his sons to come home. As the king is discussing the matter with Jacob, the sons come home because they heard what happened to their sister. They were very, very angry. They were angry because they said, Shechem, how can he do such a disgraceful thing to their family? Now, the land of Shechem was a pagan country, and the king was very powerful, and so was his son. So he abused his position of power to get what he wanted and suffered no consequences so far. Okay, so far. Okay, his father does not hold him accountable for what he had done. And he's not yet taking any responsibility for the harm that he's caused this young girl. He and his father just believe everything is fine, especially since the son makes a proposal of marriage. So the king, he goes to speak to Jacob about his son. And he told him, he said, my son wants to marry your daughter. And while he's talking to her, you know that he mentions arranging other marriages within the family. And he did this because he said, their wealth would be distributed and everyone could reap some of the benefits. Jacob was a very wealthy man. He had plenty of land, livestock, money, and the king saw that as an advantage. Shechem pleased with Jacob and his sons to set the bride price. He said, I don't care how high you set it, it doesn't matter. I just want to marry Dinah. Okay? Now, this is where Jacob allows his sons to take control of the situation, and they wreak havoc in the land of Shechem. Levi and Simeon, they come up with a devious plan. And the king and his son 
have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. So, the sons told King Hamer and Shechem that they can't let their sister marry him because they haven't been circumcised. And the only way that they would give consent is that they get circumcised and they let the whole town of the other men get circumcised as well. Okay? They also led them to believe that if they did this, they would become as one people and the families would intermarry. The king and his son, they agreed to do it. And they had a meeting with all the other men and they were able to convince them to do it as well. They were talking amongst them saying that Jacob and his sons were at peace with them and they had so much to gain by everyone coming together and living amongst each other because it would make the land very rich. Levi and Simeon deliberately misused the act of circumcision, which was originally instruction that God had given to Abraham to set the people apart as a holy people. Okay? After everyone was in agreement, they made the decision to have it done right away. They had it done. So, three days later, the men were still in a good bit of pain. They were caught off guard. Simeon and Levi came and entered the city without opposition. They took their swords and killed every man there. Not just one. Every man there, including Hamer and his son. Every man. They rescued their sister, Dinah, from his house. And then they returned back to their camp. Now, his other brothers went to the city. They took the flocks, the herds, the donkeys, and everything they could get their hands on inside the city and out in the fields. They took all the women and children and said they did it because their sister was dishonored. What a treacherous deed done by these men. Now, Jacob, he finally decides to say something. He tells his sons, what have you done? I will be hated. He said, we're very small, and Canaan's going to come after me and kill us all. Like I said in the beginning, this is something that did not have to happen. Why didn't Jacob ask God for help? Just like he did when he thought that Esau was still after him. Why? He allowed his sons to take control and it caused the whole town to be destroyed. When you take it upon yourself to develop a plan that you think is right in your own eyes, and fail to acknowledge the wisdom of God, he will leave you to your own devices and nothing but trouble ensues. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Place your trust in the eternal. Rely on him completely. Never depend upon your own ideas and inventions. Give him the credit for everything you accomplish. And he will smooth out and straighten the road that lies ahead. It's understandable to get angry about injustices that we see being done to families and others. Jacob's sons, they took anger to a whole nother level. God was definitely aware of the injustice that was done to Dinah. But he definitely, without question, did not approve with the retaliation that the brothers took out on the people of Shechem. Ezekiel 25 and 17. 
I will bring my fierce vengeance against them, rebuking them and punishing them in my wrath. When I bring my vengeance against them, they will know that I am the eternal one. See what God says? When he does it, they're going to know who he is. Romans 12 and 19. Again, my loved ones, do not seek revenge. Instead, allow God's wrath to make sure justice is served. Turn it over to him. For the scriptures say, revenge is mine. I will settle all scores. And I'm going to tell you, nobody can settle a score like God because guess what? You ain't got to worry about nothing. If he sells the score, you're good. You ain't got to worry about nobody coming after you, nothing. Because God takes care of it all. Isn't he awesome? Now, God could have settled that matter in such an unexpected way because of who he is. That's his specialty. He said that when he does it, you will know he's God. Who knows what would have happened if only the king and his son showed some sorrow for the wrong that had taken place. We know that our God is merciful, and the story could have turned out very differently. Neither Jacob nor his sons went to God for help with their situation. Jacob allowed them to devise a wicked scheme and settle a matter that they had no business dealing with. He later rebuked what they had done because he was afraid of being killed by the Canaanites when they found out what had happened. This story is a pretty good picture of what's happening in our world today. When we neglect to acknowledge God and trust in his wisdom, we and we turn around and do our own thing, and it always leads to our destruction. We forget to recognize that God is the one who works in our lives with his power, his wisdom, his goodness, and his justice. However, God's mercy and grace still abound. His love is so great that he is the one who saves us from ourselves. He did that by allowing his only son to die for us and free us from a life of sin, shame, and disgrace. And it made me think. This story spoke to me. It spoke to me. How many times have I left God out? How many times did I not include him in things I should have? But he forgave me. Yes. He forgave me. And said, daughter, I'm going to give you another chance. He says, I forgive you. Come on back where you belong. That's the kind of God we serve. Full of grace, mercy, and loving kindness. I tell you, if you don't know him as this kind of God, because you don't have a relationship with him, now is the time to begin one. Just ask him, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. I repent for all my wrongdoings. I want to be changed, and I want to live for you because I want to be transformed. I want my life to change. I want to look more like you. If you're sincere, he'll hear you, and he'll accept you just the way you are. You'll be a part of his kingdom. And then you'll have everlasting life. Isn't that great news? Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you're such a loving and kind and merciful God. 
It is because of your mercies that we are not consumed. Your compassion never fails. Great is your faithfulness. You sent your son to be the sacrifice once and for all, Lord. So that all could be redeemed by his precious blood. For this, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.